0: Welcome to this episode of the Journal of Neuro-Ophthalmology podcast. I'm Prem Subramanian, I'm the online content editor for the journal, and I'm joined today by authors of a point-counterpoint that is appearing in the journal about the possible association of erectile dysfunction drugs with Non-Arteritic Anterior Ischemic Optic Neuropathy. So I'm joined by the two authors, Dr. Michael Lee from the University of Minnesota and Dr. Michael Vafiatis from the University of Alabama in Birmingham. Thank you both for joining me today.
1: Thank you, Prime. Thanks,
0: Prem. And I'm gonna jump in by uh, starting with Dr. Lee, who took the pro side of the Association of ED Drugs and NAION, and Mike, I'm gonna ask you, Building a little bit on this possible association, do you think that the PDE5 inhibitors can be a sole precipitant of this disorder of NAION in patients without any typical vasculopathic risk factors? Well,
2: as you know, the point-counterpoint paradigm asks two experts to debate some type of controversial topic. And so I took the pro side and Uh, Although I was asked to argue that it does cause AION, it's my belief that Mike and I are largely on the same page. And it seems unlikely that the PDE-5 inhibitors are the sole cause of ischemic optic neuropathy in someone without risk factors. So I I think it's probably not really the case.
0: And uh, Mike Vafiatis... Can you think of a single agent that you think might induce typical NAION in patients? Or or is that, like Mike just said, is it not really possible because we kind of define the disease by the anatomy that the patient has and other risk factors?
1: Well, if you think of the potential candidates, meds like emiodarone, interferon alpha, PDE5, I think... If you are going to pick any of those candidates, the PDE e 5 would be the best candidate because amiodarone and an alpha interferon don't generally cause typical NALN, defined as you know acute unilateral painless optic neuropathy associated with disc edema and the disc at risk. But with the PD-E5, I believe that it does predispose individuals to NALN if they already have a risk for NALN. In other words, if an individual has no vascular risk, I think it's unlikely that it would cause any in
0: So it sounds like you both agree a little bit that even if this drug is associated, you, you probably have something on top of it. Now, Mike Vafiatis, would you expect that in terms of how the PDE5 inhibitors work, that other commonly used agents... Other nitrates, like nitroglycerin or isosorbide, because they act along the same nitric oxide pathway, might increase NAION risk as well. And if that's true, shouldn't we have seen an effect by now since so many patients take these drugs?
1: Well, it's interesting because it's been um, proposed that the PDE-5 utilizes a nitric oxide pathway. And it's, it's actually a proposed mechanism, as you indicate, NILN, but you know nitrates—they've um, been around a long time. Actually, in 1600, they used them as food additives to, you know, color the bread. And, and you know, amyl nitrate was around in 1857, and isosorbide in 1940. And there's been no link with nitrates in NILN. And that's a that's a long history of these drugs. So no, I don't I don't think there's any um, any link between between the nitric, uh, nitric oxide pathway and the and, and, and I don't think that's the mechanism.
0: What do you think, Mike Lee? You think we just haven't been asking patients because th- the use of these drugs is so common in patients with uh, vascular disease and vasculopathic risk factors? If we looked, we might find something?
2: I think that's a great point. I mean, I, I certainly can't think that I look specifically for the nitroglycerin or and And to be honest with you, we really don't know the exact pathophysiology of AION. So while some believe that it may be a hypotensive issue, this may not be universal. And so it's not clear that nitroglycerin, whether it's caused some type of hypotensive issue or not, that whether it would be along that pathophysiologic pathway. And so I I, I think the bottom line is, I don't know that we really know whether nitroglycerin and isosorbide do cause AION.
0: So I guess we're just adding a little more controversy to the mix there. In your writing, you brought up the evidence that there may be an IOP increase associated with uh, PDE5 inhibitor use. And do you think that has any bearing in the possible induction of an optic neuropathy like NAION?
2: Well, you know, I was trying to support an argument that was given to me. So I I would say that it's probably conceivable that increased IOP could lead to poor blood flow of the choroidal circulation supplying the optic nerve head, but I don't know that it's, it's actually the right answer. I mean, again, conceivably, it could initiate the event that leads to optic disc edema, leading to the compartment syndrome that generates vision loss and aion but it's uh i was pulling at straws trying to support my argument
0: so mike vafiadis we know that there is an apparent association between risk for crvo and glaucoma where there's elevated iop some people have said that naion might be a bit like crvo in its pathogenesis you think this whole iop issue has any bearing on it or is it just a big red herring
1: well you know i think Autoregulation plays an important role in the optic nerve head ischemic disorders. Um, and it's it's effective over a very narrow critical range and any change in the perfusion pressure above or below that range predisposes to problems at the optic nerve head, like systemic hypotension or elevated IOP because perfusion pressure equals mean blood pressure minus IOP. So I think, you know, it's hard to lump any ION and, and with central retinal vein occlusion so I don't know, Harry talks, writes a lot about this and I I do think that nocturnal hypotension does predispose to NLN in patients who have predisposing risk factors and you know Harry talks about predisposing risks and precipitants for example a small cup to this ratio or angle closure glaucoma, optic drusen Obesity, and arterial hypertension, diabetes, those are predisposing risks, and then uh, you pile on top of that precipitants like the nocturnal hypotension, and or if someone has um, an autoregulation problem in their heart, these kind of things I think predispose individuals who are at risk to the develop.
0: I I guess the challenge we all still face uh, that you guys have brought up is we don't know what's causing the condition. And so this statistical association potentially with the ED drugs is almost a confounder on top of it. But the big question, I think, in a lot of readers' minds is still, are we going to advocate screening eye exams for patients who are being prescribed a PDE5 inhibitor for the first time? Mike Vafiatis, what do you think?
1: I think we should for two reasons. First, um, to identify if a patient has a predisposing risk for NILN, like a small cup to disc or optic nodrusin or, let's say, undiagnosed diabetes or hypertension, and we can detect that on a dilated exam. Because don't forget, these people, these individuals or patients who are taking these medications, they probably have vascular risk or else they wouldn't be on the medication. So I think it's important to establish a good baseline examination and educate the patient and say, look, you know, these drugs could potentially cause a problem because we don't want patients not knowing this, you know, and if they have a problem, to re-challenge because sometimes that's when they'll run into more of a problem. they have a little bit of dimness and then they'll re-challenge and then they'll get the NAON. So, yeah, I think it's important. Just like, um, you know, I do a fair amount of, um, see a fair amount of patients for Plaquenil they're on Plaquenil, the drug Plaquenil, we get these baseline multifocal ERGs and I kind of see it like that.
0: You make some good points there, Mike. Uh, Mike Lee, anything to add?
2: Yeah, I I would take the opposite approach. Um, I think the incidence of ischemic optic neuropathy in a patient taking the erectile dysfunction drugs is it's so low that it would not be cost-effective to screen them Um, and so I believe that more than likely of the 40 million prescriptions that have been given out, that uh, several million of those individuals probably have a risk at risk, and yet they haven't developed ischemic optic neuropathy, and so I would be of the mindset that, that I, I don't think it would be cost effective to do so. Would it maybe be of some value? I think the answer is probably yes, as Mike had suggested. but. I just can't see advocating for that for every single patient that has to have that prescription.
1: Well, Mike, I mean, another way of looking at it is we could make the individual's eye professional aware that, hey, you know, I'm this patient is going to be on this drug. And, you know, the doctor asked me to see my, my doctor for a screening eye exam, just like you know, I see a lot of patients who are going to start gelinia because they want a good baseline exam just in case, you know, really they can develop macadamia, but just in case they, they want a good baseline. And I mean, these people are probably at risk for other problems, and, you know, they're not healthy 20-year-olds generally, so they're going to require ophthalmologic examinations anyway. I, I think it's important to have it on the radar screen.
0: I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today to give some additional details to our readers regarding your article on the ED drugs. I think there's still a lot of unanswered questions, and maybe with some more time, we might understand a little bit more about this disease and this drug. Thank you both.